0: Turn in your Bibles to Matthew, the 25th chapter. Matthew 25. We'll take a look at a few verses there in just a moment. I guess I have an issue with foods. <laughs> Anybody that's eaten with me knows that. When I, when I was a child, my dad would take us as a family every now and then because we kind of grew up on the poor side. Military didn't pay a lot. Mom didn't work outside the home. She sold our shirts. And I, I mean, that was, just, that was just life back then. But every now and then, Dad would take us as a family of four to one of those fast food hamburger places that started popping up. I think, I don't know, some fly-by-night place called McDonald's or something came up. And we went through the drive through, and he would always get me two hamburgers, fries, and a Coke. Now, I really think that that came in under a dollar. So, I mean, that was a good thing. But I would take my hamburger and I would take the lid off, okay? And what I was doing, I was looking for where where's the pickle. I like pickles. And I always want my last bite to be the best bite, okay? And I put the lid back on, wouldn't do anything else. But when I started eating, I would eat around that pickle. I would separate, basically, the rest of the hamburger from that bite. And then I had that bite, and oh, it sure was good. Then I had another hamburger that I got to do that with, and so, you know, repeat. Well, I I grew up. I think I was probably 35, and I realized you could go through those drive throughs and ask for extra pickles, and they, they do that. <laughs> go figure. So I would lift my lid up and not just look at where they are, now I'm separating them so that I can have a pickle in every bite. I mean, whoo, <laughs> that was a good day. I'm kind of the same with my cereal, Lucky Charms. I'll put some Lucky Charms in a bowl, and I'll get some milk on it, and I eat the oats first. I separate those out. You know, I push everything else aside. I eat the oats, and then what I'm left with, those bites of sugar. The pink hearts, the yellow moons, the orange stars, the green clovers, and it's like, yes! A bunch of good last bites. But what happens when our food isn't prepared right? Well, for me, after a little pout, I take care of it. I like mustard and ketchup on my hamburgers. Do not put mayonnaise on my hamburger. I'm serious. That's just me got someone over here saying preach, someone over here going, what? But I'd grab a knife or a packet, you know, a ketchup packet or something, and I'd scrape off all that stuff that they put on the bun. I'd try to salvage as much of the lettuce, tomato, pickles, and onions as I can. I mean, I am dabbing. I use half a thing on napkins, just trying to, you know, straighten this up, separate all that tainted stuff out from my hamburger, separate the pickles, maybe put a little more ketchup on to kind of go over that taste of some of the mayonnaise that's still there. I'd separate all this stuff, and all of that went to the trash can. It was no good. Got an amen over here. What about other things that really matter in life more than, more than the food that we put in our mouth? Hmm. When I was growing up, mom taught me a lot of truths. I- I'm sure that a lot of people, raise your hand and testify, same thing. Your mom taught you a lot of truths or your dad taught you a lot of truths. I did not realize it at the time that I was growing up, until I began reading my Bible through, that, you know what? Mom was pretty smart as far as Bible was concerned, because the things she, she was teaching me came out of the Bible. I didn't realize that. But our human nature, from an early, early age, we learned to lie. Now, do you remember the days when you got a spanking or sent to your room? You're separated from everybody else because you told a story. You lied. You didn't tell the truth. I had a few of those days. I'm just saying. You were punished. We were punished. But it's important for us to understand there is such a thing as eternal rewards, and eternal consequences. A lot of it has to do with whether or not we're living in the truth or we're living in a lie. Whether we have turned to the truth with belief, with faith, or if we have rejected the truth and want to just live how we want to live. And the passage of Scripture that we have before us, we're about to realize, and you already know this, that everyone is going to stand before Jesus, the truth. And there will be a separation. He'll take people and put to one side or the other. I think that's the reason I entitled this message where there is truth, there is hope. Because it makes a difference how we're going to live our life. How we're going to profess a faith or reject a faith. It makes a difference. Let's read into this morning's message the Passage that we have, and then keep your finger there because we'll look at a couple of other verses along the way. Matthew 25, beginning in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, help us to see your truth, to turn to all that is right. Strengthen us to say no to the lies that we encounter here on this earth and yearn for your truth and ways. Thank you for sending your Son, that through him and his sacrifice for all of humanity, we can have the gift of your saving grace. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And make these requests. Amen. I want you to do something this morning. I don't normally invite people to do this. But I want you to imagine. Imagine the scene. Now here's the part I don't normally invite people to do. If, if you have to close your eyes to imagine, close your eyes. But this is not an invitation to go to sleep, guys. But I want you to imagine this heavenly scene that's being portrayed right here and in the book of Revelation. You can go back there and see that we win. God wins, okay? But in this Scripture passage, the center attraction is Jesus Christ Himself, the Lamb of God, on His throne. All of the angels are present. All of humanity has been gathered before Jesus Christ. And He's about to do something. You and I are part of this gathering. Our ancestors. All that are going to come after us. We're all going to be here on this Great Judgment Day. And in just a moment, Jesus is going to begin separating. He's got the Lamb's Book of Life in front of Him. He's got the other books in front of Him. He knows who we are by name. He created every one of us in His image. And through our human life, he has poured himself out to us, revealing himself, loving us, everyone. I think if you imagine this, and you imagine this from the perspective that while a human here on earth, alive, you sought after God, I think you're going to be in this gathering with a peace in your heart. You read your bible. You found scripture like 2 Timothy 3:16 that says all scripture has been breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training and in righteousness. You found scripture like Psalm 33:4 that reads, the word of the Lord is upright, and all His work is done in faithfulness. Over and over and over as you read through your Bible, you recognize that God's word is truth. We just sing about Jesus Christ being the cornerstone. Everything on a building is built after the cornerstone is laid. This was the truth. It had to be trued up with other angles of a building. This stone was the most important stone in a building. Jesus Christ is the most important one that we can turn to. He is the truth. And you realize... There's no way for you to get to the Father except through Him. There's no way to be saved from the pits of hell and saved to this glorious heaven that He is preparing right now for His people except through Him, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. And so you even found scripture like in Romans, the 10th chapter, verse 9, where if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And right after that, you read, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What a beautiful promise from the cornerstone. And so now, as you imagine what is about to happen on this final judgment day, I think there's a peace. I think there's a longing to draw nearer. I think you recognize that there are eternal rewards about to happen because you see the truth the love of your life. And you know you have received God's saving grace. You are saved. Hold that thought. I want you to imagine this great judgment day had you not sought after God while in your human form. It's the same scene. Jesus Christ is on His throne. He's about to make the final judgment as He separates people. All the angels are around. All the nations are gathered before Him. Same books are open before Him. The problem is, your name is not in the Lamb's book of life. And I think... In your heart of hearts, you understand the terror that is about to happen. I think you are afraid about what is going to happen. You know that you have rejected the truth all of your life. You have never sought after him. You have never claimed him. You have never asked him to save you and receive his saving grace. You did what you wanted to do in life and rejected God. I think as you're standing there amongst all the nations, you fear was about to happen. That's how I imagine this. Satan uses so many things through our life to keep us from having a relationship with God. So many lies, so much deception. Sometimes we come close, but for whatever reason, we never called on the name of the Lord to be saved. My dad was one of these people. You know the lie that he held on to? Had to do with smoking. Cigarettes. But he would always say, if I could ever quit smoking, then maybe God could save me. I remember that. I remember that as if it were yesterday. You know, if, if I could just quit smoking, I think, I think maybe there's a chance that God would save me. You, you hear the problem in that? He's placing everything on himself. But it's not up to ourselves whether we are saved or not. It's up to God and his saving grace. And we need to come to him in faith to receive his saving grace. Six years old, he started smoking. Six years old, and for 42 years, he smoked and believed what I just told you. The morning he found out that my wife was pregnant with our first son, he quit smoking cold turkey. He said, I am never going to have a grandson, granddaughter, who will know me as a smoker. I don't know what got in him. Well. (laughs) But for eight more years, he still never called on the name of the Lord. Now, I got to tell you, he was a great dad. He really was a great dad. He would give you a shirt off his back. He would do anything for you. He loved us. He never forbid us to go to church. Every now and then he would go, Christmas, Easter, maybe a couple of other days through the year. But that was it. He did things with us. He loved us. He just wasn't saved. Until seven months before he died. And there was a country preacher that came And witnessed to him and and told him about this earth tent that he's living in. This earth tent. I've never heard it expressed that way. But for whatever reason, that got his attention. And he said, You know what? We're going to leave this earth tent behind one day. And our soul, our spirit will be raised if we know Jesus Christ is our Savior. And that day, he called on the Lord to be saved. I want to tell you, I am so happy to know that I will see my family again. Amen? Many of you can say that. But for many people, Satan's deceptions, his lies, are hard to get beyond to be able to see the truth. God clearly says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. You can already see that God is wanting to give so many blessings, so much. To the people that he has created in his image. We can seek God, but we also must turn to him in faith, in belief, and call on him for salvation. Call on Jesus Christ, the truth, to be Savior of our lives and Lord of our lives. But for many standing here in this gathering right now that we're imagining, that just never happened. Think with me now for a moment as the truth moves you from one side to the other. He's going to take a group of people whose names are in the Lamb's book of life. And He's going to call you His sheep and He's going to move you to His right. And He's going to say to you, in verse 34, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. But for those who are still alive in their human form and rejected God all their life, He's going to take you and separate you to the left. Your name is not in the Lamb's book of life. And in verse 41, He's going to say to you, depart from me. You cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. My friends, listen to me. God loves you unconditionally. He created you in His image. How can He not love you? How can He not care for what's going on in your life? But here's the thing. He will not force Himself on you. He will not force you into a choice. He allows us to make that choice. He allows us to either come to the Lord and ask for forgiveness of our sin, claiming Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of our life, or to reject Him. He gives us that choice. God has set boundaries for us. You know why? You know, as I was growing up, I was thinking, I hate boundaries. Ah. I don't like this fence here that I can't get to the other side of. But when we read Scripture from God's view, He has set boundaries for us in order to bless us. If we go outside those boundaries, and instead of doing what God would have us to do, and we live life how we want to live it, He can't bless us. So these boundaries, these conditions that He has set for us are good. And it takes us a while to recognize that. Throughout Scripture, we read, if you do such and such you will be blessed. If you don't do such and such, you will be cursed. One that just kind of comes to mind and I pulled the scripture out Malachi 3:8. I mean, here's I mean this is a real easy one here. God says, "You are robbing me of tithes and contributions." And he says in verse 9, You are cursed with a curse for robbing me. And then he comes back in verse 10, and he says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that's the church, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you blessings until there is no more need. Now, <laughs> some preachers will preach on tithing, and some congregation will go, here's another message on where the church needs my money. And, folks, it's not about that. We see from the beginning family that if there was faithfulness in bringing to God a portion of what God has blessed you with, he blesses you. But if you withhold or don't give the best of what he has given you back to him, he curses you. I want you to think about this. God does not need your money. Do you hear me? The creator of the heavens and the earth, who created from nothing, hard thing for us to conceive, but he created the atoms, he created the matter, he created all that he put together to make the sun, the moons, the planets, and their moons... He created that. He created the orbit so that we spin in the right direction and and stay at the right distance from the sun and that we can live life here on earth. He created that. Do you think he needs your money? Scripture says that the streets of heaven are going to be paved in gold. We use tar. Asphalt. He doesn't need your money. What you are robbing him of is him being able to bless you. That's what you're robbing him of. When we're not faithful in our tithes and offerings, that's what we're robbing him of. We're outside the boundary. He cannot bless our unfaithfulness. He does bless our faithfulness. You see the difference? God loves us. And the truth wants to bless us. And God's truth will set us free. But we must turn to Him and live within His bounds. Now, I want you to think back to things that you have done in life, good or bad. At some point in time, you became accountable to God. You, you recognize the difference between right and wrong, truth and lie. You became accountable. And for many, that's the time when we realized, there's no way I can get to heaven on my own. There is nothing that I can do. I realized that when I was almost 10 years old. There is nothing I can do. I can't get to heaven on my own. I need Jesus Christ as my Savior. I called on Him to save me. But I think when we're young, we begin bargaining with God. God? Oh. Help me to look like I have a close relationship with you so that I can date this girl over here. God, help me look good in front of this boss during my interview so that I can get this job. We bargain with God. We do that through life a lot of times because we think it's us. There are a lot of people in this world who believe their salvation is based on something other than what God's Word says. They believe it's about how many doors you can knock on, how many people you can witness to, how much Scripture you can read in a day or memorize, how many prayers or how long your prayers are. On and on and on we hear all these lies. It's not about what we do. It's about what God has done, is doing, and will do. It's all about God and the saving grace that he has for the people that he's created in his love. So in looking at things that we've done in life, we call them good or bad. But I've got to tell you, we all have a different definition for what is good and what is bad. Some people, what is good is a box way over here, and what is bad is this box way over here, and in between is a whole lot of gray area. For others, there's a dividing line, and what is good is over here, and what is bad is over here, and it's like, oh, that's that way, Oh, oh, that's that way. Can I just say, I don't want to look at what we've done good or bad. Can I put it in different terms? Terms, I think, that are probably closer to what God is looking at. I think we do things that are either God-glorifying or self-satisfying. It's one or the other. We can either glorify God or we can satisfy ourselves. Ecclesiastes 2.10 really talks about that. King Solomon is writing, and he says, And whatever my eyes desire, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all of my toil. And this was my reward for all of my toil. Do you remember what he said his reward was? Vanity. Vanity. Empty, valueless, in vain. It was simply only self-satisfying. We must choose lifestyles as we choose for God truth in our lives. Our lifestyles need to match. Our labors need to match. They need to be God-honoring I talked about eternal rewards or consequences. We're not going to receive the same rewards, okay? And all these other books that log the things that we've done in life determine, yeah, this was God-honoring, or no, this was self-satisfying. But if we'll live our life God-honoring, Scripture points out we're going to receive eternal rewards. There's no one going to heaven that's going to be disappointed. We're not going to be envious of someone else. Even though someone else might have more rewards than this person over here, we're all going to be able to praise God who loves us, who wants us to be with Him. And it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful place. Amen? Amen. Cannot wait. Not necessarily looking to get in front of a bus here when we walk out, but I cannot wait. I'm ready. When we choose these God-honoring things in our life, what we're doing is we're going back to God, going back to His Word, going back to the living truth, and seeing that there is eternal hope in living our lives like that. Why look at this scripture passage with this imagination? You can open your eyes now. Why look and imagine what this scripture looks like? I think it's because many times we'll walk out these doors and we'll go on with our human life, whatever that looks like. Some of you will go out to eat probably not even talk about the message, go home, watch a ball game, someplace along the way, go to sleep. I do both on the couch and in bed. But we go to work on Monday, and, we, and somehow or another think maybe that's the most important thing that we've got to do. Instead of thinking, you know what, I think God placed me in this place because I need to be a witness to someone here. With eyes open to do something that's going to glorify God, that's going to help another individual on this earth through a witness or discipleship. God bless you who are going to D now. That's going to be a great, great time. God bless you who have learned how to witness and disciple, how to do things that are honoring to God. Are there eternal rewards and consequences? Yes. Is there a day coming where there'll be a separation? Yes. And for all those who have turned to the Lord and called on Him as Savior and Lord will be saved. Names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Glorious, glorious time forevermore. But for those who have never turned to the Lord for salvation, eternal consequences come. I cannot even imagine this. Where there's fire, gnashing of teeth, screaming in pain, and it's not like you touched a flame and you can back off and put something around it and it heal up. This will be forever. And that's not the worst. The worst is you're separated from God forever. You're separated from the truth, and you'll live with Satan and his demons forever my plea is simply this choose well I implore you to choose the truth choose Jesus Christ in just a moment we're going to stand we're going to sing we're going to have an invitation time but I think there are two groups of people who may want to come forward to those who are up here. I think there are people who are saved and who want to praise God and just, you know, come, have prayer with somebody and praise God. Praise God that He has saved you. Praise God for all the blessings that He has given to you. And I think also, even in our time of praising God, we realize, you know, there's an area in my life I'm not honoring God. And I need someone to pray for me. I think that's one group, two different things. I think there's another group of people here who need to call on the name of the Lord to be saved. And these people up here will pray with you and pray you to that point where your faith reaches out and God reaches down and gives you His grace. I think that is the one prayer That God answers immediately and in the affirmative. He is always waiting for us to come to Him. And He will save you by His grace. Two groups of people who need in just a moment to respond in one way or the other. Would you do so? Let's stand together with every head bowed and every eye closed. Our Heavenly Father, thank You for Your perfect plan to send Your Son as the ultimate sacrifice for all of mankind. And thank You for sending us Your Son, Your truth, so we can know the way to be with You for all of eternity. Will you please work through our lives this day so that we can glorify you in the decisions that we make right now? For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.